0: I tried to stop being creative. Like, I tried to quit being creative. Actually, I made the decision that I was going to just stop being creative for a while. And I became a face painter because, you know, in everyone's world, face painting is not creative by any stretch of the imagination. But it was such a departure from what I was doing to paint on people versus things that it felt like a, a restart to my world. And then as I look back, I'm like, so you never actually gave it up, all you did was change surfaces.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Your Best Selfie podcast. I'm your host, Carrie And. I'm a content marketer, creator, and coach with one goal, to help you tap into your inner wisdom so you can show up as your best self at home and online. On this podcast, we'll talk to awesome humans about how they have tapped into being their best selves, finding alignment with what we were truly put on this planet to do, and how social media makes a difference in our lives. I started this podcast because I hear from way too many friends and clients who know that they want more from their lives, yet they're terrified to take that first step. I hope this podcast will inspire you to help you break out of your comfort zone, to step into the life that you are truly meant to live. I hope that you'll leave each episode feeling inspired, uplifted, and ready to live your life as the best version of you every single day, while feeling brave enough to share that person with all of us online, too. Now, whether you're listening in your car, while you're cleaning the house, or you're just kicking back playing with your phone, we'll always start out the same way. I invite you to stop what you're doing and take a deep breath with me. Make it the deepest one that you've taken all day. Awesome. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi, friends. Carrie here. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Best Selfie Podcast, and Happy New Year! This is my first episode of 2022, which is crazy. Like, I don't know about you guys, but January has felt like a slow start for me. I don't even really know if I have any 2022 goals. Like, I have pieces of them everywhere but it's just felt so foggy. So <laughs> let's just pretend like January doesn't exist. Let's jump into February of 2022. And this is just like a bonus month of the year. Okay. So today I'm super excited to introduce you to my new online friend, Kansi Sindet. And Kansi originally connected with my mom through their artwork online. They both are artists and shared online. And this was the first time that we had actually met to talk over Zoom. And I just loved her. You'll totally dig this conversation, whether or not you feel like you're creative. She has such good advice for living a creative life, which isn't just painting. It's also so much more than that. It's in everything you do, which we will talk about. Consi is a creative mentor and teacher who believes that we should always be learning, growing, trying, failing, and embracing the process. She's been teaching creativity in many forms for over 18 years, and before online classes were a thing, she taught in-person art classes to hundreds of women. Consi finds that art journaling is the most freeing way to express herself. She wants everybody to know that we can all find freedom, playfulness, and joy by slapping down some paint, gluing magazine pages to a piece of paper, adding doodling and marks, and finding a quote that screams, this is how I feel today, and calling it good enough. So without further ado, I want to jump into this interview. I know you're going to dig it. Here is Kansi Sendet. All right, Kansi. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you about all things living a creative life. And I'm super honored that you have come on the Your Best Selfie podcast.
0: Oh, thank you, Carrie. It's, it's uh, fun. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: Awesome. Me too. Okay. So, the first question that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast is when do you feel most like your best self? In a yoga class.
0: I heard you ask this on the podcast and I found it to be such an interesting question. Cause I was like, well, that's thought provoking. And within the next week or two, I was in the middle of a yoga class and I was like, and there it was, I hmm. felt like, I felt like everything drop in. And that's, that's when I, I don't, this is so bizarre to say, I don't feel my body because you totally feel your body in yoga, but, I didn't feel like anything was wrong with it. It was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And like my head was in a great space and my emotions were just, everything just was like, I don't want to say neutral, but it felt neutral. Like the way you would feel really happy and content and neutral and everything just felt in alignment.
1: So yeah, yoga. I love that. Yeah. Do you find a creative aspect in yoga too? Like what kind of like channeling are you doing when you're doing artwork that might be similar to something that you would tap into in a yoga class?
0: Just being present. Like that's, you know, when, when I set an intention most of the time in yoga is always to just be, just be there. And I think that's probably with my art and with my teaching is to just be there and just be with whatever comes up and react to the next thing. You know, that's one of the things I teach is that you you can plan everything you want and you can plan an art journal page and plan an art piece or whatever it is that people, you know, do. And you'll make one adjustment and it changes everything. So you can go into it with a plan, but you have to be able to pivot and adjust. And like yoga, like learn to be off balance, like learn to be comfortable being off balance. So just let it be, and then just keep adjusting.
1: I love that. And I read on your website, this quote that I want to read to you because I, it totally is in line with that. Um, You said, I've found art journaling to be the most freeing way to express myself. After all, it's really mostly paint, paper, and glue, nothing precious. Anything goes, hate it, turn the page. Yeah. And that's so true. It's like, yeah, it's just paper and glue and paint and you just throw it all on the page, see what sticks, no pun intended, yeah. and, then, <laughs> um, and make something beautiful out of it. And you can always kind of go back and take the things that might be like mistakes or mess ups mm-hmm. and really work that into the paper at like it was supposed to be there all along.
0: Absolutely. There, I mean, that's the thing. When, when I found art journaling, it was like you know, one of those cliches, it was life-changing. I taught painting for so many years and it was always on physical things. Like, you know, we painted wine glasses and we painted Lazy Susans and tubs and they're all useful things. And everybody, don't even get me started on painting on canvas. Like people find it such this precious, you know, like they've just painted the heirloom they're going to hand down to their grandchildren this wine glass or painting on canvas just freaks people out so completely but if you're on paper in a cardboard journal that you made from an amazon box where's where can you go wrong it's literally paper or cardboard from an amazon box of which all of us you know probably have way more than we need so I found it to be the best, like it was so freeing. It didn't matter what it looked like because all I did was literally turn the page. So, you know, if it's ugly, so what? Put something else on it, paint it white, paint it black, (laughs) you know,
1: stencil. Totally, so let's go back a little bit. If somebody is listening to this and doesn't really know what art journaling is, can you explain a little bit about like what your process is, what it looks like, because I wish that people could see it. Yeah. Her podcast. You'll have to go to my Instagram because I'll put a picture of it for sure.
0: Sure. So art journaling happens in an art journal. And what an art journal is, is basically it could be uh, a, a, like a writing journal. It doesn't, uh, the, to me, it's not precious. It doesn't matter what kind of paper. They will be people who will argue this with me. That's okay. It is a book. It could be a book of watercolor paper that you buy at the craft store. It could be that you take a bunch of random papers and fold them in half and slap a staple through it. And that's an art journal to me. It's a surface, a paper surface or a cardboard. I say cardboard because I use a lot. I love cardboard journals um, to work on, but that you experiment with you just take any art supply and put it down you glue anything you want to it you drip paint you add acrylics or watercolor it's it's very mixed media centric you know that's one of the things I also was drawn to it wasn't acrylic painting which is what I taught it was literally like what is sitting on my table Ooh, colored pencils you know I I haven't I have a glue stick I have this receipt that I don't know what to do with and it's sitting on my table so I glue it down it is just a way of letting uh, your emotions out. To me, that's what it is. It's about letting your emotions out. It's a way of playing with color and playing with art supplies. It's, a, it's something that once you start, you realize you never knew you needed. I think that's what, like, when I teach it, I don't think people, when, when you see, when you see pictures on Instagram and, you know, we all get in that, the gorgeous photos, I mean, everyone's going to put their best pictures on Instagram of their art journal and they're gorgeous and they're perfectly balanced. And that's not the point. The point is just to let out, you know, whether you, sometimes you don't even know what emotion you're trying to let out until you're finished. Obviously we're in a podcast, so I can't tell people, you know, show people this picture, but a few, a few years ago, and I don't know how long ago it was, I did this page and it was, you know, a woman and and there was like, she, I was painting flowers on her head and I kind of like the way I painted her over, it was a, a woman's face from a magazine, I should say. So people can picture that. And I was painting over her face and I was adding the flowers and everything. And when I was finished, I looked at her and I realized it was in reaction to the fact that Paris had been bombed it was around that time and about how the world was reacting to that and like you know everyone was putting on Instagram like different Eiffel Tower symbols and I I just that didn't appeal to me but then I was playing in my art journal and I ended up pouring what I was feeling about the Paris bombing into this picture of this woman who was very Paris French centric like you know when she was done she was French and I didn't mean to do it but My subconscious needed me to let those emotions out. So sometimes you'd be surprised yourself what comes out of it. And sometimes it's just, well, I wanted to play with pink and that's okay too. It doesn't have to be this big, magical, you know, response to a big world event. Sometimes it's just, I got a new paint color. woo!
1: (laughs) And so do you often come to your journal, not knowing what you're going to create, or do you sometimes have the idea in your head and then think, oh my gosh, I got to run and do this right now?
0: I would say most of the time for me, it's it's not knowing. It's I want to play or I want to make a YouTube video or I want to make something for my membership. And I just gather bits and put it on the table and then I just play. So in the end, it's always about play. And my students might tell you that there's times when they're watching a video of me that's been recorded. And now I will be in the video going, "Woo, woo, I love this. (laughs) Oh my goodness, this is so cute. And I mean, that's me genuinely not knowing what's going to happen. So sometimes I get an idea, like, especially if I have to teach a class based on a specific subject or um, prompt, but most of the time i just gather stuff and see what happens.
1: So fun. And on that note, I want to thank you because you taught my mom who then taught me how to create a zine. So we made those fun little zines. And I think that was on one of your creative play dates. So it's making a zine. Mm -hmm. So we've had so much fun making those. I could make those all day. That's so cool. And so do you have times when you come to your art journal and you don't feel joyful because so much of your work really inspires joy, brings joy, or maybe that's just what you post online. So I guess maybe my two-part question is, are there things that you don't post online that you do in your art journal that feel more private for you? And what do you do when you come to your art journal and you don't feel joyful? Does it lift you up or does it come out as like darker colors and maybe a little bit darker in tone?
0: I do post a lot. So um, I'm not a daily art journaler, so I don't have like a ton you know, I have a I have a ton. I've been doing it for a long time, but I don't you know, it's not like a daily practice. So I will post anything. I honestly don't just post the pretty stuff. I just post whatever I feel like posting. I'm not a fan of if I'm really angry or upset. Art journaling is actually not my answer. Uh, reading is my answer to that. Like I mm-hmm. I read. I'm a very avid reader. So I know a lot of people when they're angry and upset or, or slightly sad or depressed or whatever, will funnel that into their art journal. Mine tends to be more, I've come because I'm, I'm content or I'm happy or I, need to, or I need to make something for a class. Um, but I don't like to paint pissed. Like I've always said, I will not paint pissed off because all I do is I kind of ground it even more into being more angry. So for mm. me, And this is me. I know a lot of art journalers who, as soon as they're upset or angry, dive into their art journal. For me, mine is reading. That's my way of doing it the other way.
1: So cool. I love that. Because yeah, you hear so much about people who are like, oh, you have to make this a daily creative habit, like sit down and do it no matter what. But I love that that will just bring you down more. So you only do it in times of joy. That totally makes sense. Yeah,
0: I don't. I would love to do an art, you know, like love to have a creative practice that's daily, but it's never worked in my life. I actually at one point taught a class called Daily-ish because like daily, you know, you miss one day. It's like any habit, you know, you miss a day and then you're like, oh, I missed a day. And for a lot of people that's crushing and they stop. So I'm like, you do it when you can, you know, even if you come and glue something down, that's something, you know, it doesn't have to be finished. I'm a finisher like I work really fast so to me I finish a page when I do it but there are a lot of people who will glue something down today and a week later they'll add some paint or they'll finish what they consider a spread on an art journal page and then they'll come back like a month later and start adding to it like that's not me like it is
1: done and dusted turn the page that's so interesting Cool. I want to circle back to something you talked about earlier in terms of painting something that you might pass down to your grandchildren someday. So I know that holds a lot of people back, myself included, um, I don't know if you know this about my story, but my great-grandmother left behind a ton of journals that she sketched in and wrote in, and they're amazing. And I feel sometimes the pressure of what I'm creating that someday might be read by future generations. And I think that's so true in anything that we create is that coming out of our head and onto a paper or a canvas or a wine glass or whatever it is, yeah. feels like something that is so like special that should be you know, cherished for generations. So how do you overcome that feeling of maybe not even expressing yourself at all because you're afraid to put it out there?
0: I think if you're afraid to put it out there, you'd have to dig into why. Like, are you afraid that you will be judged? That's one thing by judged by the people around you or your family or something like if they're not into what you're doing. My take on future generations is I won't be here. So (laughs) If you mm-hmm. wish to judge me, I will know nothing about it. So I kind of let that go. I also am very open. Like, if you were in my studio, I don't have a preciousness about anything. So you can open any art journal. I will, if you can ask me, I will tell you. I mean, you could literally write, read my written journals. Like, I don't, if you can read the handwriting, but you know, I, I don't feel. Like this, and again, this is very personal to me that I just don't find the preciousness in it. And I just, I need it out of me and wherever it lands, it lands. I don't have children. So sometimes I come from a different perspective of who would I even leave it to? You know, like you have Emmett, so that you, you have that thought that at one point, you know, Emmett might end up with it. What would he do with it kind of thing? And I don't have that. So to me, I want to use what I have now and not worry about it and just be present with it and let it out. And, you know, I've, I've moved multiple times in my life and it was always until we got here to South Carolina from New Jersey, it was multiple downsizing. So I also have a very purgy mentality of like, it doesn't need to be here. Like, what am I saving this for? I think I'm just not precious about it. When it comes down to it, that would be my that would be my final answer. Is that I'm just not precious about things. I just use the good china, people. Use the good china. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and that totally comes back to what you were saying about being present. It's all about yeah. just making it in the moment, and then yeah. once it's made, like it's great if you want to keep it and hold on to it, and if not, that's totally okay too. It's it yeah. served its purpose yeah. in coming out of you. Yeah, and it's you know
0: it. You might hang on to it and share it with other people and that's fine. But honestly, I forget half the stuff I've made until I'm teaching a class and then I drag it all out or look at it and stuff. But it really is about being in the present, whatever I'm doing right that moment. I might look at it a little bit. I might take a photo of it and then it goes away. It served its purpose for me by being the creation of it because it's not about the end result. I mean, yes, it's an end result in that I have a page and I could take a photo of it or I can share it. I can talk about it. But the whole process is what feeds me, not the end result.
1: So. Yes. So cool. And to echo what you said, I love how you said that you won't be here if future generations are reading it. So it doesn't matter. Uh, Circling back to my great grandma's story, there are things that I wish she would have written about that I could read about. You know, like I know so much of her life, but I don't know her struggles. Like she didn't write those things down. So I think that that kind of is a flip-flop too of you won't be here. So those dramas and stories that you're telling yourself won't matter anymore, but it Mm -hmm. might matter to the person who's reading it that can connect with you on a deeper level that way. So write it all down, get it all out. Oh yeah. (laughs) So tell me about how you kind of got your start online. Like, did you originally have a blog or what got you into teaching online classes because you were teaching so much in person? I did have a
0: blog. I stopped teaching in person around 2008. Um, We sold our house. So I didn't really have a space anyway, but because I taught in my basement, I had a basement studio that I taught in, but when blogs were, you know, blogs, I did start a blog, and I was doing that for a few years and at that time, I was also a face and body painter, so oh. yeah I've, I've done a lot of art stuff. I wasn't teaching. I was face painting at fairs and doing body painting for for photo shoots and things. and then we moved here to South Carolina from New Jersey, and I started teaching in person. I tried teaching in person again, but I didn't have the audience anymore and so Then I put my first class online on Skillshare. That's what started the, oh, you can video yourself and sell yourself, you know, sell you, your teaching on Skillshare. And it kind of blossomed from that, but it took off because of the pandemic. I had a few classes that I had recorded, but then when the pandemic started and we couldn't teach anything in person... And a, f- a couple friends of mine have free play dates, and you know, those were huge during the beginning of the pandemic. Everyone had a free play date, and I was like, I'll try it, and that it just went crazy. Like that was a silver lining to me. You know, that's how I met your mother. Um, you know, <laughs> and the I had a, I've had a free play date since February of 2020, every month, wow. and you know I've had people from all over the world show up at these play dates. I cannot recreate that in a little town in South Carolina. You know, I just cannot, you know, on the same call, I've got people from Canada and all across the United States and in Britain. I mean, I've had Finland and Germany on a call. So I cannot do that in person. I can't imagine going back. I do some in person. I mean, I have a couple of classes here in South Carolina, but I really love, I love Zoom. You know, I'm one of those people that was like, I embraced Zoom as a as a good thing.
1: What happens on these creative play dates? What do you usually do when everybody joins? Um, I
0: come up with some kind of project. It's not always art journaling because not everybody's, you know, into that, but some kind of project and I teach it on the class, you know, for the hour and a half. It's basically me talking through the project, you know, and I you can see my hands pretty close up and what I'm doing and I send out a supply list, you know, a little while before so everyone can play along if they want to. Um some people just sit and enjoy it. I've had a couple of people take naps. They've told me that I was, you know, <laughs> I was like was I boring? They're like no, it was so soothing. I just took a nap. I was like okay. <laughs> that's an interesting play on the play date. But yeah, there's always some kind of project. So we make bookmarks or we do the zine. That was the that I think the zine was the actually the very first one oh, that no that we cool. did. Um, I do some art journaling and I always want it to be play driven, but sometimes we do vision boarding where it can get a little more serious on, you know, in goals and intentions and things. I love to come up with the ideas and then, you know, share them. That's That's so
1: cool. And then your creative playground membership, they get access to the recording of those, right? So they have those and then are there extra classes and stuff that you do in that membership as well?
0: Oh yeah. So the, the play dates are free to everyone and then they have like 24 hour free access to it. And then they go into the membership. So all those are there. There's a junk journal class in there. That's just for the membership. I do printables almost every month for the membership. There's other classes like other projects I film just for them. And then we have a monthly art and chat. So we get together whoever's in the membership and just hang out for an hour and, you know, share art supplies or just talk. And this year I'm starting to do a couple hour length classes just for them. So like the first one was all about all kinds of um, stamp creation. We carved stamps and made fun foam stamps. There's, I don't know, 40 lessons that people could dive into about all sorts of things.
1: So it's fun. So fun. That sounds like my kind of work. I want to do that. So have you always known that you wanted to be an artist? Is that something that started really young for you or what was your journey into art as a career like?
0: I would say I've always been creative. My very first creative memory was as a child making my parents draw hearts all over a page so that I could color them in. Uh, So, and I took art all through, you know, elementary, middle, and high school. And then I went to school for graphic design. So yes, I continued the art journey. Um, Mm -hmm. Graphic design was not for me. I did that for a few years after college. And from there, I, then I was, you know, I did everything. I, made dried flower arrangements. I've done, you know, ceramics and painted wood pieces. And I was at art fairs for, you know, craft art and craft fairs for about 15 years and, you know, painted murals on people's walls. And like I said, the face and body painting, I literally have always done something creative, even if I've had a regular day job, because I also, you know, I currently have a regular day job. I'm like do bookkeeping as a day job. Um, But I I tell the story like one when after 2008 and like the classes kind of imploded and the world imploded in 2008 um, for many of us. um, I tried to stop being creative. Like I tried to quit being creative. Actually, I made the decision that I was going to just stop being creative for a while and I became a face painter because, you know, in everyone's world, face painting is not creative by any stretch of the imagination. But it was such a departure from what I was doing. To paint on people versus things that it felt like a, a restart to my world and then as I look back I'm like so you never actually gave it up all you did was change surfaces and it was <laughs> such a weird thing to look back on I go well you tried to quit but it decided that it wasn't going to quit you so yeah I've always been creative but there's many times I've wanted to burn it all to the ground like why yeah. why it like this drive needs to go away because sometimes it can get exhausting. But in the end, it still feeds me. So I keep going back to it.
1: and what do you do when you come up to those dry spells? Do you, I mean, it sounds like maybe you change mediums, but do you ever just kind of take a break and not work on something for a while?
0: Yeah, I do. like this this Christmas, I hit a brick wall around the middle of December of this year, and I just spent two weeks reading and just absorbing. I love romance novels, fiction books, you know, those kind of books. And so I just—it's kind of like a, a washing of my brain, just to let it slow down because it doesn't ever stop. The ideas don't stop. I have more ideas than I would ever in a million years be able to execute. And not by you know, like you would ask me, do I have an idea when I go to an art journal page? It's not like that. It's you know, Oh, I'd love to teach a class on deck making, you know, about the making this kind of deck or, Oh, it would be really fun to teach this kind of class. And it's never fully farmed. It's just an idea, but that can get overwhelming because I, I have a day job and I only have so much time. So it, you know, I always, there's little things that I always tend to do. Like when I'm super stressed besides reading, the other thing I do is something your mom and I share and comment is the drawing mandalas. Like just that going over and over, it's so, so super soothing. And that, that might be also when you were asking me like, do I put anger into an art journal? Like if I'm angry or whatever. Mandalas are probably my creative answer to that one. In addition to reading, because it's so meditative, that repetition of doing the same stroke over and over and over again. That would be almost like... When I had burnout, I would do a mandala, which again, try to quit being creative and pick up a creative thing. I think that's like, if you're a creative person, which I believe we're all creative, you know, you get dressed in the morning, you're creative, you have to put something on, you make yourself a sandwich, you are creative. I don't care what you say it, you know, it might not be super chef sandwich, but it's a sandwich, but it's so hard to, you can't get rid of it. It's always there. It's just how does it manifest for you that day? You know, sometimes it's about which book I choose to read or what pair of shoes I put on in the morning, you know, that sort of thing. Earrings, that's a huge thing for me. Like every day I choose a pair of earrings. It's a big thing. Like if I leave the house without earrings, it's like, (gasps) has happened where do I have earrings in so it's just where does the creativity show up in your life
1: totally that's so cool and how do you decide like if you have so many ideas how do you really decide which one to pursue next do you feel like there's usually one that's tugging more or if you have so many ideas you just kind of pick one and go to it or how does that work for you
0: I would say the one that won't leave me alone. So Mm -hmm. there's always one that keeps showing up somehow. Like the deck thing keeps popping up. And I posted something on Instagram with pictures and people were like responded to it. And I was like, I know I've heard. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I know. Every time I show this deck, I get the same response. You know, like the ants. it's there. It's just paying attention to which one won't leave you alone, but also finding the space. Yeah,
1: totally. (laughs) let's mention that too you have a beautiful deck that you created so Mm -hmm. what was the process like in creating that for you
0: it was actually really fun i did it as part of the 100 day project uh last year 100 days is a really long time um, when you're trying to do something every day it's extremely crazy so i figured i'd try and make this deck which is called the color feel color heal deck it's about um, marrying emotions and color and how you can use color in what you wear and how you surround yourself to anchor an emotion for the day as an intention. So I decided that I wanted to learn how to do Procreate on the iPad. And so I was like, well, let's try making a deck. And um, so that's what I did. Like I did a uh, a card every day in Procreate. In the end, I had about 50 cards and then I narrowed it down and added a word for each. And sent it out into the world. And I shared this on Instagram daily. Like I was constantly talking about this deck and promotion wise, I guess I was promoting it by sharing my process, but it was, it, it came out of a class where I was thinking I had, um I used to do one-on-one. I still do one-on-one like creative mentoring. And one of my clients wanted to do something with emotion and color. And we made like this color wheel and, we married like, you know, if you were angry, what's the opposite of angry? What color is anger to you? What color is, you know, like serenity, whatever the opposite of that was. And I was like, that is so cool. We had so much fun doing it. And then I turned it into a mini class and had people make a deck out of paint chips so that the color of the paint chip was the emotion that they could turn for themselves, which then turned into this deck. But in the deck, if purple might've meant something to me, But purple might have meant something different to you. So the deck is an amalgamation of colors. So each card is a mixed media project of lots of different colors. So you can choose the color within the card. And so pink might mean happiness to you, but pink to me might mean, you know, peace. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I wanted people to be able to pull colors from it that meant
1: something to them. So I love that. Yeah. And the deck is so beautiful. So I'll be sure to link it in the show notes too. Oh, great. Um, but you. it sounds a lot like art therapy. So do you have any background in art therapy or that's just something that comes naturally to you? Uh,
0: no background in art therapy. Um, I would say why it comes natural to me is that I'm a self-help junkie. Um, mm-hmm. I love reading self-help books and always working on myself. And so I think that's where it comes from. I like to, you know, store the ideas. And so if you ask me a question and you need help, I tend to pull from all that work I've been doing on myself, which, you know, is never ending. If you are working on yourself, it's a never ending process. You know, and also when I I taught in person, I would have 12 women in a room. You cannot have 12 women in a room for three hours and not talk of stuff other than art. So it became like these giant therapy sessions of working through things and people would share things and you could watch them relax and calm down or let go of whatever they need to through the art that they were playing with even though it wasn't it was a very formulatic like we you know if I was painting roses everyone was painting the same roses but they were still calming down through it and learning from each other just you put 12 women in a room there it's going to be some opinions shared
1: (laughs) For sure. That makes me miss. I used to, we have a group of friends that we all scrapbook together and we haven't been together for a while. So that's one thing that makes me a little bit bummed about post pandemic all on Zoom is that there is that special, you know, connection that comes making art together in the same room.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. It does. It it can, it can happen on Zoom. It just has to be in smaller groups. So I found that like, if you can get a group like 10 and under on zoom and you can do the gallery and you know, you can see everyone's face, then that
1: helps immensely. That helps immensely. Totally. And so I'd also like to ask about finding your style because I see your work and I'm like, Oh, that's Concy. Like I know it right from the start. And same thing, like, when you see my work or my mom's work or whatever, it's just so obvious, even if it looks different for us, it's still the same. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned about that in your time, really teaching art and doing art yourself? Like, how do you find your style and not just copy it from somebody else that you think looks cool?
0: I think that, you find your style with time. That's, that's just, you know, doing more and you have to do, you have to practice. You have to keep doing it and keep coming back to it. Copying is a way, like in my world, I think copying is a way to find your style. Because if you copy someone's work and then you're like, well, I don't like that. Well, yay, that's a good, that's take it out of your style. Like you don't like that. I think that one of the things that I would tell people is I would say almost like using prompts. So what I mean by that is like, if you're working on an art journal page and, or we're we're working as a group, just say, and I'm like, okay, everybody put down, pick up something white and put it down. Everyone's going to pick up white paint, a white pencil, a piece of white paper. So I would almost say like, you need to narrow it down to simple things. So everybody paint a square. Well, okay. So everyone's going to pick a different color. The squares are going to be different sizes. Like you start to learn that you might go to paint the square and you're like I don't like squares. Well, awesome. Good information. Paint to paint what what's what is it you like to paint? I, you know, I prefer triangles. So I think you have to start tapping into you. Like, what is it that you like? If you glue something down and you're like, well, that looks ridiculous. Is it really look ridiculous because you think it looks ridiculous? Or is it because you think someone else would think it looks ridiculous? So I think you have to start tapping into yourself. Like, what is it that you do over and over again? Do you always pick up green? Do you always pick up a pencil? Do you always make circles? Do you swirl every time you do swirl left versus swirling right? And you have to learn to listen to yourself. I think that's the most important thing. Look at other people's work and see what is the first thing that grabs you. Don't copy the whole page, but maybe there's that little piece of black in the left corner that you're like, wow, I love the way that looks. Put it on your piece. Does it make sense? Does it feel right? Intuition. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's so cool that you say copying is okay, because you're totally right. That if I tried to copy like my mom's mandala, exactly as it was the way that we hold our pen will be different. Mm -hmm. The way that pressure that we put on, it will be different. Like I could get close, but it will still look like my work in the same way that my handwriting looks different from other people. So that's, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah. The handwriting is a good analogy for everybody is that nobody, you cannot, I mean, you know, Yes, there are people that can sign your handwriting. You know, there's forgers out there, but that's not the point. The point is that you still are using your personality and your energy to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, even if you're using the same pen. I've taught mandalas where we, I was at a business group. It was actually quite funny where this had nothing to do with art. It was a rotary group and there was men, women, older, younger. It was a mix and everybody had a piece of paper and a ballpoint pen. And I was literally like, make a circle make a bigger circle, do these, you know, scallops. And they were watching me do it. And I walked around and it was, like you said, it was everyone's personality showed up in their own mandalas because they couldn't help it because that's the point. They were just tapping into who they are as a person. Mm.
1: That's beautiful. I love that. All right. So let's jump into some rapid fire questions. The first one is which app do you use the most on your phone?
0: I would say not, I don't use my phone as much as my iPad and it would be the Libby app I read on my iPad.
1: Oh, cool. Very cool. What is your go-to Starbucks order? I don't drink Starbucks. I would go to Dunkin' Donuts and have a latte. Mm, Okay. I love (laughs) lattes myself. So from anywhere, (laughs) what's your favorite quote? Um,
0: The one that I tend to use the most is everything's temporary. Everything's
1: perfect. Mm, Love that. What is the best concert you've ever been to?
0: Probably the very first one I went to when I was 16, Brian Adams.
1: Ooh, cool. (laughs) What is your favorite number? Three. Hands down. What's your zodiac sign? Aries. What is your favorite city besides the one you live in?
0: I would probably say New York, just for the energy. I would not want to ever live there, but to go there was always very energy uplifting
1: what do you want your legacy to be?
0: That people go away with the fact from my teaching that it's just okay to just have fun and play and enjoy the process. And that it is not precious people. It is literally paper
1: and paint. I love that so much. Okay. And how can people connect with you online? Where can they find you?
0: Two things, the my website is atopserenityhill.com. So that's where all my stuff is held. Um, and then on Instagram, um, which is consi underscore Atop Serenity Hill. So those are the only two places that I hang out. And if I if I'm somewhere else, then getting on my newsletter will tell you where I am.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And I gotta ask, where did atopserenityhill Serenity Hill come from? How'd you come oh, up with that name? Um,
0: my first house that and my, um, my husband and I bought was the owners before us called it Serenity Hill. And I had a newsletter when I was a Longaberger consultant that was news from atop Serenity Hill. So atop Serenity Hill just stuck all these years. So
1: cool. Well, that was so fun, Consi. I loved getting to hear your story. And thanks again for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. It's been fun okay friends how much fun was that don't you just want to go over to our basement and play with some paint and markers i loved our conversation and i can't wait to share these takeaways that i had with you and i would love to hear your takeaways too if you dm me at hey carrie and on instagram so the first thing that i want to share and ask of you is when is the last time you allowed yourself creative playtime? i think in this pandemic like we all want to do some sort of new hobby. And a lot of times we think like, oh, I need to go take an Art class, like a drawing class, or I need to be perfect at it so that I can study the exact technique. And that's not the case with Kansi's work. I love that she has this invitation to really just play with it, to show up, to throw some stuff on the paint, to not be precious about it, to not make it be something that has to live forever. And I know that I'm really guilty of that. When I write something down, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe future generations or what my mom or Andrew might think when they see it. So When is the last time you allowed yourself to just be playful with your creativity? And if it's been a while, definitely try to schedule some time in for that, okay? Along those same lines, I would love to invite you to think about your creative journey. What's your first memory being creative? I loved how Conti shared that it was her drawing hearts. Um, I always did crafts with my mom growing up. Gosh, I have so many early creative memories. But what's your first creative memory? Whether it's good or bad, that's something to look into too. Maybe you drew a picture and your teacher criticized it or something like, man, that would hurt your creativity. Or maybe it's something like you had an awesome mom like mine who helped you create and make things and really Built it up. That's a huge part of your creative journey and your life as well. And have there been any times along your creative journey where you've decided to break up with your creativity, whether you realize this or not? In Conzi's case, she said, "Yo, I need a break. You sit over there, creativity. I'm not going to do this." And then, of course, she couldn't let that go. But if, especially if you don't feel like you're creative is there a time that you can remember where you broke off that creativity? Maybe it was when a teacher criticized you, or maybe it was when you had a kid and you got so busy that you just put that behind you. But when in your life have there been times where you've broken up with your creativity? And if you're currently broken up, I really encourage you to think about where is your creativity showing up in other areas of your life? So I love how she said that about putting on earrings was a creative practice. Making a sandwich is a creative practice. There are so many things that we do in our day to day life that aren't maybe art journaling, that is obviously creative, but there are different opportunities to just notice and appreciate your creativity in different ways. So, whether or not you feel like a creative being, I would love to just extend that challenge to you, especially over the next week as you're making dinner or, you know, signing your name or whatever it is, whenever you feel those little inks of creativity honor yourself for that think of me in this podcast and I would love to hear where that shows up for you thank you so much for listening to today's episode I hope that you heard something that will inspire you to be your best selfie if you liked what you heard it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your socials or review it through apple podcasts this podcast is still really new so sharing and reviewing will help spread the word to the people who need to hear it And I would love to connect with you. Reach out on Instagram at HeyCarryAnd and let me know your takeaways from this episode. I'll be back next week with another new episode, and until then, don't ever let your mind stop you from having a good time.